0: Welcome to 7 Minute Torah. I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. In this podcast, we explore the weekly Torah portion in about 7 to 10 minutes. We make modern meaning out of ancient texts, exploring them through liberal Jewish eyes. Sometimes it's just me, and other weeks I'm in conversation with another rabbi or a Jewish thought leader. There's a story in the Midrash that tells that before God gave the Torah to Israel, before God gave Torah to the Jewish people, that God offered the Torah around to lots of other nations. God brought it to one people and said, Do you want my Torah? And that people said, Well, that depends what's in it. And God said, It says you shall not kill. And the people said, No, we like our killing. We're not interested. So God brings it to another people and they say, What's in it? And God says, you shall not steal. And that people says, nope, we're busy stealing. We don't want it. And one by one by one, God brings the Torah to every nation on earth. Until finally, God finds this one last people, a slave people who had been released from slavery just weeks earlier, meets them at Mount Sinai and says, do you want my Torah? And the Midrash says that we said, Na'asev nishma. we will do and we will hear. And so we receive the Torah from God. That's the story the rabbis tell about how Israel came to receive Torah, about how this set of laws came to be our inheritance, our way of life. And it's interesting what they do with that story because they make the receiving of Torah an act of will. They pick up on something that happens in this Torah portion, which is that the people choose to enter into covenant with God. They choose to take these laws upon themselves. You might have heard before this idea that Judaism is a religion of law, that Judaism governs more than just what you believe and how you worship. Traditionally speaking, Judaism is understood as a series of 613 mitzvot, 613 commandments that govern all kinds of areas of life. How you worship, what you believe, what you eat, what you wear. Traditionally, the Shulchan Aruch even tells you which shoe to put on first. Now, this kind of thinking can be challenging for liberal Jews, because if you believe that the texts were written by people, as I do, then you're not necessarily looking for that kind of micromanagement. You might not think it's the role of a religious system to govern in such overarching ways. And yet, the idea that Judaism has its own legal system goes back a very long time. It goes back to this week's Parsha, which is called Mishpatim, which means in Hebrew, laws. Mishpatim is Exodus chapter 21 through 24 and it begins with the words Ele hamishpatim asher tasim these are the rules that you shall put before them the you here is Moses God is talking to Moses telling him that these are the rules that he should teach that he should give to the Israelites We're at Mount Sinai here for the second week in a row. Last week, we read about the Ten Commandments, that moment in which the people are said to have come into contact with God. And this week, the giving of Torah at Sinai continues. Only now, God is giving these laws to Moses. These are the laws of the covenant that the people are entering into. When they said Naa Sevanishma, when they said we will do and we will hear, these are the laws that they're taking upon themselves, that we as a people are taking upon ourselves. And as you look through this parsha, it's actually hard to find or describe a common theme. Because there's just so many different kinds and so many different topics of Mishpatim, of laws. Or rules. You have laws here about slavery and lending and worship and moral things. Don't oppress the stranger. And so you have a whole variety of different topics. And if there's any one thread that ties together, many of them, though not all, it's the thread of what you might call humanitarianism or social justice. The, the Eitz Chaim commentary says that this section is, I'm quoting here, a variety of topics with special emphasis on humanitarian considerations. In fact, as you read through this Parsha, you find that a lot of these very disparate laws, though not all, do coalesce around the idea of building a just society. So, for example, when the Parsha is dealing with slavery, which is a surprising topic for a people who just left slavery a couple months ago, When the Parsha is dealing with slavery, what it's really doing is putting limits on slavery. It's doing what Rabbi Gunther Plaut calls humanizing the institution, which is to say, moving it to a place where it's a little more just than before. Similarly, in this parsha, we see rules that say that you're not allowed to take advantage of the poor by lending them money and then gouging them, or keeping their collateral. You're not allowed to oppress the stranger, it says, because you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You're not allowed to subvert justice, neither for the good of the rich or against the poor. So we have a series of laws here that all relate to the kind of society we're supposed to create. And in fact, as I was reading through, I noticed that you even find that in some surprising places in this Parsha. So for example, toward the middle of chapter 23, after a whole series of moral laws, don't take bribes, don't oppress the stranger... Then we find a strange jump to an agricultural topic. It says, "Vesheshanim tizra et For six years you shall sow your land and gather in its yield, but in the seventh you shall let it rest and lie fallow. Now that's a weird jump. Why would we go from "Do not oppress the stranger" to? Don't plant seeds in the seventh year. And the answer is that the passage continues as follows. Let the needy among your people eat of it. So even the institution of the sabbatical year here has a kind of a social justice bent. Same thing with Shabbat. The very next verse, it says, Six days you shall do your work, but on the seventh day you shall rest, you shall cease from labor. Often Shabbat is associated with God resting on the seventh day or with a series of ritual prohibitions, things you're not allowed to do. But here, it goes on to say that the reason for this rest is in order that your ox and your donkey may rest, in order that your animals may rest, and that your your home-born slave and the stranger may be refreshed. Which is the Torah's way of saying that even the most vulnerable in society are entitled to a day off are entitled to the dignity that's associated with being in God's image and having a day off once every seven days. So we find here that the idea of creating a just society, and maybe more specifically the idea of caring for the vulnerable, permeates a whole series of these mishpatim, of these laws that are being promulgated here at Sinai. Now, I don't know that that can be said about every law in Judaism. It's hard to argue that every single aspect of Jewish tradition and Jewish law is meant to go back to social justice. And in fact, I think there's a lot more to Judaism than just social justice. But at the same time, it is true that many Jewish laws and traditions are meant to be markers or reminders of our ethical responsibilities, So, for example, when you put on your talit, the tzitzit, the fringes on the four corners of it, are supposed to remind you of God's commandments and of what's expected of you. When you light Shabbat candles or when you make kiddush on Friday night, the Shabbat is referred to as Zecher Litziat Mitzrayim, a reminder of the Exodus from Egypt. And that in and of itself is an ethical statement because, of course, the Torah reminds us over and over again that you should not oppress the stranger because you were a stranger. So our laws and our rituals in Judaism are often more than just laws and rituals. We're not just doing things for the sake of doing things. We're doing things in order to remind us of values And you might think then that if I have the values, then I don't need the rituals. I mean, if I know that I'm supposed to take care of the poor, then why do I need to light Shabbat candles? But at least for me, that hasn't ever been the case. Uh, Even though I do know that I'm supposed to take care of the poor, that it's good to give to others and to create a just society, I continue to be moved by the experience of performing these rituals. I continue to have my memory jogged by it, my ethical and values memory, so to speak, I continue to be reminded each time I light candles, each time I put on a tallit, each time I make kiddush, that these rituals are representative of a set of values that I wish to adhere to. And I think, in a sense, that's part of why Judaism has always been such a religion of law. For thousands of years, it has passed down rituals and concrete actions that are symbols of ethical obligations that we choose to take on ourselves. And so just as our ancestors may have said, we will do and we will hear, so do we as Jews, I think, continue to say we will do and we will hear and we will seek to understand, not only to perform these actions, but to have them mean something, to have them be reminders of the important obligations and responsibilities that we have to create a better world, to create a more just society. Thanks for listening. Before we go, I want to tell you about two new classes that I'm offering starting in March through La Asok. First of all, I'm going to be running a Pirkei Avot study group. Pirkei Avot is the Talmud's tractate of ethical rabbinic sayings. And we're going to come together on Monday afternoons at 3 o'clock Eastern Time, starting on March 20th, uh, for about six weeks, to really dig into those teachings and talk about what they mean for our own lives. Secondly, starting about a week earlier, Tuesday afternoons, March 14th, and for four weeks, I'm going to be re-offering my four-week class on Radical Jewish Views of God. This is where we look at those thinkers who have said kind of outside or controversial things about God. Uh, If you want to join us for either of those classes, please go to laasok.org, L-A-A-S-O-K.org, and you can get more information and register there. 7-Minute Torah is a production of La'asok, Sacred Texts, Modern Meaning. If you enjoy this program, please consider becoming a sponsor at patreon.com slash 7-Minute Torah. For more information about upcoming learning opportunities, go to laasok.org, L-A-A-S-O-K I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. Thanks for listening.